0: You're listening to the Chancellor Pink Podcast on Chancellor Pink Radio. Came across a video made by English guitarist Robert Fripp and his wife Toya Wilcox. They do a show on YouTube called Sunday Lunch. Uh, And in this one, there's just it's a little introduction, and they're he's playing the guitar parts for a song by Korn. and his wife Toya is on a table or something behind him, dressed in all this black spandex, and she's uh, gyrating around and dancing and singing uh the words and i she's falling down to her her knees and popping back up and doing back bends and very you know she's very fit and very physically uh active in the video, and, you know, he looks like an old dude, and he wears his tie, and he's, he's Robert Fripp, if you don't know him, was always a very cool guitarist, The guitarist known primarily for the uh, uh, 70s and 80s with the band King Crimson, but he also did a lot of work with a lot of other artists, including David Bowie, playing guitar, and had a really good, uh, cool guitar style known as Frippertronics, which was this sort of way of playing guitar, um, with your fingers, uh, by touching the the strings, um, and, you know, having the guitar so loud and it being electric, of course, that that can make, uh, melody just from touching it in certain spots. And he, uh, he, he sort of pioneered, I think in many ways, the, the, the reverb, not reverb, the, um, the, uh, delay and, uh, an echo, uh, sound that, People like, let's say, The Edge from U2, made very famous. And, but, but a lot of bands, uh, including the bands, the band I was in, Six Gun Jury, our guitarist used that sort of sound a lot. And so Robert Fripp's guitar sound is pretty significant. But back to his wife, Toya Wilcox, I was so uh, impressed by... I wasn't sure who she was. I never had heard of her before. I didn't know that they were married. I didn't know anything about Sunday lunch or Sunday brunch or whatever it's called at <laughs> their show. Um, but I watched that and I wondered, what is that woman? Because she had big sunglasses on. And you couldn't really tell. And she has a short blonde haircut. I'm like, is Robert Fripp doing some show with some young hot blonde? You know? So I go to uh, Wikipedia and I find out that that's his wife. And I find out that she's 64 and that he's 76 now. And I mean to tell you, her body and the way she was moving at 64 was just incredible. I mean, amazing. So I'm reading a little bit about her because I would like to meet her. No, I'm kidding. Just I was just curious. And I find out that uh, they don't have kids. And, And part of me thinks, which I think is a normal thought, I wonder if that's partly why she's so fit and so active and able to be so healthy at 64. And he looks pretty sprightly and sharp for a 76-year-old man and they're doing this show. And, you know, and I, I was thinking about rock musicians. Now, some of them die very early of overdoses. And they're they some of them even uh, that the don't die of overdoses die kind of young like David Bowie and Lou Reed. They get cancers and things. Uh, uh, you know, Tom Petty a number of them were picking 69. They were just saying, I think I'm going to take the age 69. Yeah, that's a good age to die. But, um, and that's not old enough. You know I mean? That's like, you know, seventies, when I was a kid growing up, seventies was the age to die. Like if you lived to your seventies, mid seventies, that was, you lived a good life. Now it's the eighties, you know, now you've got to live into your early eight to mid eighties. If you get to your mid eighties, you've outlived most, but Definitely get into the 80s. You'd like to get to 80, 81, 82, right, is the thinking. (laughs) Meanwhile, would you really? Because you see these people. And they start getting crippled very young. And they live all those years, sure. But they're in wheelchairs and shit. It's not easy. And I'm already feeling it. And people my age are feeling it. I know many people that are in their, you know, second half of, you know, once you turn over, once you go past 55, shit starts happening, you know. And it becomes harder and harder just to be alive and be happy because you're physically hurting and you have issues. So how much, how fun would it be to hang on longer from 75 to 85? I don't know. It depends. My dad's been very lucky. He doesn't have any issues. You watch him, you're like, oh, yeah, I want to live to 85. But then you look at almost everyone else, and I'm like, I don't know about that. But anyway, at 64, to be gyrating around, literally dropping to her knees and popping back up, and and spinning around the things she was doing, this this Wilcox lady, <laughs> Tripp's wife, and you think uh, of rock musicians, and you think a lot of them do live a long time. A lot of them, I listen to a podcast called The Rock and Tears, where Rock on Tours rather Rock and Tears, um, where a couple old dudes in their sixties interview mostly old dudes that are at least in their sixties. Some are younger, but most are in their sixties, like them or older. And they're all alive still. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of rockers hanging in there. And I thought, I wonder if, you know, if they didn't kill themselves with drugs or alcohol or if they didn't cause themselves to get cancer because of their use of drugs and alcohol, potentially, which I'm not blaming cancer on anyone, by the way. I'm not the type of person who says, oh, you got cancer. What did you do wrong? I don't believe in that. I think heart disease, cancer, a lot of them come to everyone and it's nobody's place to play doctor. Uh, we're all going to get something that kills us, and who knows why. And lots of healthy athletes get diseases that kill them, and they didn't do anything unhealthy or wrong. Or so, you know, let's leave the analysis of, of what someone did, quote-unquote, wrong to cause them to die to a higher power, because at the end of the day, we're all going to die. So what we did wrong, in my estimation, is become human. Because humans die. So maybe we should have become some other species that lives forever. Because otherwise, if you're, if you're looking to blame people for their deaths, you're blaming them for being human. Okay, six, almost seven minutes into this podcast and I haven't gotten to the point. Here we go. Ready? Strap yourselves in. I'm thinking about children. Why? Having children. Why is that the subject? Because Toya Wilcox... And her husband Robert Fripp don't have any. And so my first thought was, is it music that makes these people live longer because they're expressing themselves and they're freeing up their emotions and they're performing and going out on stage and things. And it just requires them to to stay thin and to not overeat and to and to be active and to, and the emotional expression is healthy. And I thought was was it that? But then I thought. Also, that this 64-year-old woman never had kids. And she's gyrating all over the place and looks hot and looks sexy. But it's because she's not giving of herself to other beings. And she's lived selfishly for herself. She's been able to, all the way up until 64, live like a woman taking care of herself as a woman. And not ever being mom. And not ever having to play mommy. And same with Robert Fripp. And so my first thought about that was negative, as it is for a lot of people, right? Just like they judge, oh, what did you do to get your cancer? They judge people, oh, you don't have kids, you're selfish. Oh, why? Couldn't couldn't give enough to have kids? That's a selfish bad thing, you know. No wonder you guys are having fun and living free and living healthy and at sixty four. You didn't you didn't go through the burden, the stress of having children. You couldn't give of yourselves, you selfish pricks. Right? I mean, that's what most people would be thinking. That's what most people think about couples who don't have kids. And uh, I was thinking uh, about it differently. I I then... See, my mind goes through... And this all happened in about 30 seconds, and I thought of this podcast. I had those initial thoughts, because that is the initial reaction, which I think is stupid and callous. And then I, I came to another realization. Maybe... Robert Fripp is just cool, right? He always was. And, and she, obviously, doing corn and singing that song, is she's into darker things and cool things in reality. I mean, these are not your normal parents. Now some, I'm not saying that musicians are cool. people won't have kids. but what I am saying is that there's a lot of truth that, you, that you're into as an artist, right? Artists create things from pain. Artists create things in darkness, as well as light, both, because they are an expression of truth, inner truth. And some people might say, I don't want to let negativity into my life. But as we all know from being adults, if, if you do that, you're closing out a lot of truth because being a human being and being alive, a lot of truth of that is negative, A lot of reality isn't good. Death is negative. You're going to shut that out? The reality of it? You can't shut it out. It's coming for you. It's coming for everyone you love. Um, Loss in general happens regularly. You don't want to dwell on it, no. But truth is both positive and negative. And um, I think if you're a couple that is living in truth... Because you're living in art as they are, a married, musical, artistic couple. Which, by the way, when they die, they're leaving all their money to an institute to give money for arts for children, the children in the arts. So this is why I thought of this, too. They're, they're, they're inspiring children to become artistic. And they are leaving it for children, which they never had. So maybe there's an underlying story why they didn't have children, too, because they're thinking of children when they die, since they don't have any children of their own. So it's interesting, you know, maybe one of them couldn't have children or something. But maybe there might be more to that story. But what I thought was they also are leaving their money to art and the creation of future artists. And I thought that living in truth makes it hard to be a parent. That's what I thought. And it occurred to me, and I and this is personal for me. I'm not going to lie. I have to pull back the curtain. Um, you know, as a father who went through a divorce with three children, um, I took criticism from family mainly, but also a, a couple friends over the years about, my involvement with my children post-divorce, how much, you know, especially when, when my ex-wife moved across the state five hours away, uh, you know, not driving it and going up to see them all the time and so on and so forth. Um, there are various reasons for it, not the least of which was finances, uh, not having the money to go and stay somewhere and not stay and drive around 10 hours in one day or et cetera, et cetera. Living very much paycheck to paycheck uh, all of my life post-divorce. Um, but there are other reasons too. And not you know, maybe some of them are personal flaws of mine, sure, whatever. But here's what I was getting at with that. Some of us are only cut out to be uh, – are not cut out to be parents – Or if we are parents, we're cut out to be a different kind that not everyone would approve of. And by that, I mean if we are artist types who live in truth. Uh, I know people that like to think of themselves as artists who live in sunshine and happiness, and that's fine. There is sunshine and happiness in art. But the true artist, the one who is reaching down into their, their, their innards to create what they're feeling and they're not afraid of expressing whatever it is that comes to them they're not afraid of reaching their inner truth the creation of art to the to the i think that the artist i'm talking about anyway the artist i've always loved and enjoyed in music and film and everything i like horror movies i like mysteries i like uh dramas that are you know all dramas involve death crying you know fighting i mean right we we we, if you love movies you, you you a lot you've got to have a side of you that really loves the darkness of the humanity and and truth because and, and and not just joy because most movies are made about people that are criminals or people dying of something or people killing someone or people you know or people just suffering through something even dramas that are about regular people it's not a story if there's not some calamity that they're overcoming. Even if they overcome come it and it's a story of strength in the end and, and triumph, there's a lot of grief in there. And, um, and those movies make you cry because there, there's something beautiful about people dealing with the truth of suffering and overcoming it. it. gives you hope. But you can't just look away from the ugliness and the part that they're overcoming you have to acknowledge it and live in it. And I I'm, I think that what we see, we're, parents are taught to hide things from their children, right? Whether it's, you know, by the rating system of movies and you don't show it to them a certain age and you're a bad parent. If you show a horror movie to a child, you know, who's nine or something, that's like a, akin to child abuse. Uh, you know, we're supposed to shield them from sexual knowledge. We don't tell them until they're a certain age about sex. And what it means. Some parents never tell them and the, the kids are, you know, get pregnant and they don't even know what happened. <laughs> that, that's really happened, believe it or not. We are, we are told that we, we need to protect the innocence of children. And to hide as much of the darkness of life from them as possible. And, um, you know, help them not see it. I was reminded of that strongly. Strongly. By the ending of a movie, which I won't spoil here, but there's a movie called Speak No Evil that's out now, available on demand. It's a uh, a Dutch, uh, I think, made film uh, where they speak English in it, but they also speak... Uh, uh, both Danish and, uh, or, or and uh, you know the language that's in Holland, or and also the language of the Netherlands. I think they're different, two different languages. So they put uh, subtitles at the bottom of the movie throughout the entire movie because they sometimes waffle into different languages, and then even when they speak English, they do it with accents, so it's a little tricky. So it ends, you know, you can read the subtitles the whole movie just in case they bounce in and out of another language, but it's mostly in English but it's really a horror movie and so about a couple couples one goes to spend a weekend with another they just met them on a vacation and they take their young daughter and that couple has a mute boy who has no tongue and um but without saying more about the movie um when you get near the ending there there's a strong scene that made me realize again Uh, The child is saying, this won't spoil the move, the child is saying, I'm scared, I'm afraid. And the parent says, don't be afraid, I told you I'll never leave you. When mommy's here, everything will be all right, you know, mommy's here. And that's how we talk to children, right? We talk to children that the truth is out there, but we either shield them from it or we tell them, it'll be all right. Everything will be all right. I'm here, I'll protect you. And... You know, uh, for most children it is, but I was thinking about the reality of the children. I saw a little boy on TV just yesterday, bald little boy, and he said, a little, little, like five-year-old or something. And he he said, I'm one of the kids that has cancer. And he said, it's so cute, and it really moved me. And I thought, wow, can you imagine being a child, and so you're learning about what life is. And you have cancer, and you just sort of say, "Oh, I'm one of those, some kids get cancer, i'm one of those," and that's the way he said it, and it's like, "Wow, no, if you only knew, thank God you are a kid that young, no, no kid should get cancer that's not you're not just one of the kids that gets cancer you know you're It's very rare, and you're an unlucky kid, and it's horrible, you know, and you got screwed, and you got a raw deal, you know, but he didn't say it that way, and he didn't see it that way why because the adults didn't tell him the truth, because <laughs> that's all truth. They told him the story that some kids get cancer, and you're one of those. So he says, I'm one of the kids that has cancer. <laughs> and it's so moving and adorable, because it allows him to take this on and be sick and, and to think it's okay. you know. But then I also thought, but what is that? Is that wonderful? Because it isn't okay. And when he actually gets sicker and starts dying, I think he's going to catch on to the fact that, Mommy, well, what do you mean? I'm one of the kids with cancer, but what happens to them? Oh, honey, yeah, they die. But, Mommy, this feels like shit. Oh, that's a shame, honey. Mommy's going to go shopping now. No, I don't think she'd be that cold. But the point is, at the end of the day, that little kid I saw who was happy about it, like it was no big deal with his bald head, going through chemo still and being able to do a commercial so that he was talking, you know, he's not going to be doing commercials eventually. He's not going to be up for being on filmed or talking like that. How's he going to feel about being a kid that has cancer then? How long can you shield him from the truth? And I know that we're just supposed to shield him forever as long as we can the bitter end. And certainly, Ignorance is bliss. We know this as adults. There is better happiness in life and joy when we believe fantasies. It was wonderful to believe in Santa Claus. It's wonderful to believe in Jesus and heaven and life after death. But the older we get, the harder it becomes to believe in it, no matter how hard we try. And Santa, of course, we're told it's bullshit. But religion, we have to come to that conclusion on our own or not, that it's bullshit or not. And it's a struggle. And the more truth hits us, the more we start to think, boy, it's, it's just bullshit. Because where is he? Where is this God? Or, you know, and you think about all the horrible things and you watch everybody you love getting older and dying and you say, yeah, this is just bad. You know, this is just the decaying of life. And that's the truth. And death sucks and love sucks because when you love someone, either you're going to die, which sucks, or they're going to die before you and that sucks so as you get older life becomes watching everybody die which is horrible so uh or get sick and having to eventually all of us including me are probably before i die going to be charged with caring for someone who's dying i mean i already was to some degree when my mom died of cancer although i was very lucky then as a young man in his 20s to have a sister in her 20s a father who was still married to my mother who was healthy and a wife at the time who was very much a caregiver type, who was in her 20s. So everybody pitched in to take care of my mom. And as, as the guy and the son, I probably did the least. No, I definitely did the least of the, the four. Of my sister and my wife and my father, I did the least to, to actually care for my mother. I was there with her. I certainly didn't, I was very much concerned and involved, but I probably did the least because I got to because I was the guy and my dad was the guy but he was her husband so he had to at least drive her places and be there for her in a lot more ways that I didn't so but eventually it's going to come for me right none of us get to live our lives without caring for the sick and dying we all have parents and they generally don't just die one day suddenly Uh, a lot of them are going to get illnesses and ailments and uh, we're going to have to do things for them and help them. I got a little taste of that having to drive my father for a couple eye surgeries last August. Um, you know, uh, and if we get married and we outlive our spouse and so on and so forth, we're going to be going through this. Um, God forbid we have to do it for one of our own children. I already lost one. Uh, I've lost several pets, actually, over the years, but right now my current cat, I love the hell out of him. He's amazing. He's the best pet I've ever had. I adore him. It's going to break my I realized the other day he's already um 6 years old. And it, it went by like nothing. 6 years. Well, these cats they don't live longer than say 11 years, 12 years. So he's already halfway through his life. Another 5 years or so he's going to be dead. I can't I can't even I can't even stand to think of that. It's going to break my heart so much. I love him so much. But this is life, right? The truth of living is there's good and wonderful things that we should be enjoying every day, but the truth of death is coming for us. And the truth of crime and suffering and cruelty of people and poverty and lack of having enough finances to really enjoy life, that's all out there too. And if it isn't coming for you, it's already there. So you have to ask yourself, especially if you're an artist type, which is somebody who faces truth a lot, why do we, how much of this do we really want to hide from children? How much of this truth about death, about the future, about everything, is, is wise to hide from children versus wise to share? What can children really handle? But more than anything, even if we conclude, no, 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 you shield them from as much as possible. If you're a person who lives in truth, that's hard to do. And if you're a person who lives in truth, you're generally going to be, uh, when you take time to care about others and be compassionate for others and empathize, it's going to be on a more base level, on on a very real level. In other words, come on, let's go fly kites and Let's catch ball and let's have fun and let's go to a park and all. you'll have your moments of that. But what's really going to speak to you as an artist and a truth teller is, you know, when your child's crying, when your child has a problem, I can address that. I can help them. When you your child needs someone to fight for them, I can get in there and get to the get to that asshole that fuck with my child. You know, so there's a parenting style that comes more natural to people who don't live in truth, which is the happy, sweet go-getter parent, and then there's a parenting style that's much more natural to someone like me or to an artist who lives in truth, which is not all upbeat, happy, and joyful. Well, people from the outside look and say there's only one way to be a parent, and it's happy, upbeat, positive, hiding the truth from children. Children are innocent, they're sweet, they need joy. Keep them innocent as long as you can. Just give them love and Disney and all that stuff. And if you're a darker artist type, a truth liver, you're just not going to be that way. That's just not possible. You can always have happy, joyful moments because you have them too. Joy is part of the truth of life, of course. But when it comes to parenting, you're going to gravitate to the nature of yourself. You're not worth a damn to a child or anyone else unless you understand who you are and you're valuable to you first. You have to know yourself and how to live and be comfortable in your own skin before you can dare raise a child. And so if you are a a person more prone to truth, being a parent is challenging. And so I come back to uh, Robert Fripp and his wife, and I say, maybe they just knew that about themselves. And maybe they just said, it's not about selfishness and it's not about I can't handle loving or caring about other people. It's about the fact that I am not really inclined as a person to be a great parent. If we define being a great parent as someone who raises children, sheltering them from as much truth as possible and keeping them happy and keeping them living a life of innocence, And playing on the ground with little toys. and See, a lot of people miss their childhood tremendously. And they loved their childhood years. And they want to be a parent again because they want to relive them. They want to go back inside the mind of a child. And they want to share that childhood innocence and joy again with this child. But really, it's the child sharing it with them really they're absorbing and living in this joyful innocent life again and that's what they want selfishly so that's why they want to have children have pets live in, go to disney world all the time cuz that's what they want in their adult life but fuck fuck it if you know being an adult didn't come in and ruin their life man you know they were enjoying all that shit why did they have to grow up they didn't want to grow up so now through children they don't have to They can spend a lot of their adult life acting like a child again, thinking like a child again, because they thought that was great. Well, good for them. But guess what? I got news for them. That's just one type of person, motherfuckers. (laughs) That's not all people. We're different, and it's okay to be different. You're not right, and I'm not wrong. Because we're different, we're just different. And in this particular instance, the difference I'm talking about is I couldn't wait to not be a child, okay? I loved my childhood years. Don't get me wrong. They were great. But I liked learning. I liked growing up. I wanted to be a grown-up. I liked sitting around talking with my parents. I didn't want to run off and play with the little kids, okay? I liked knowing things other kids didn't know. I wanted to find out. I liked horror movies as a kid. I liked being scared. I liked Halloween, you know, as a kid, as a little kid. I like sneaking downstairs and watching movies I wasn't supposed to be watching. Okay? I like to use... My dad likes to remind me all the time, still to this day, that I am the guy that introduced the F word to the family back in the 70s. I brought that horrible word into our home. That's fucking right, Dad. I did. You know why? Because I liked I liked swearing. I liked swearing as a kid, too. I liked... I I, I got straight A's, man. I was not some thug or... Or, or, or villain, but I like breaking the rules. I like learning how to be a grown-up and doing what you want and taking responsibility for your actions. But that also means being able to do things that are oh, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. Oh, but that's wrong to do that. Yeah, I've been thinking about it with my my mind, and I don't know that it is wrong. Why is it wrong? As a kid, I I wanted to be a priest, but guess what? I didn't want to do. Go to church on Sundays. I didn't want to go to church. Why? Because it was boring. It's it's still boring. Mass is boring. Kneel, stand, stand, kneel, read words. Everybody acts like a robot. Theoretically, it should be a celebration, a worshiping ceremony. It should be passionate and beautiful, but it isn't. It's boring. It's wooden. It's reserved and cautious. And everybody you know no one looks at each other and even when they sing they just look at their book and keep their head down you know it's boring so i didn't want to do it i even you know as i grew into my young younger years 11 12 13 early teens i didn't want to go to church i would fight my parents once once they i i was throwing such a fit they let me stay home and they went to church without me oh what a victory that felt so wonderful and then i never did it again then i then i started going again but I had to win. I had to get my way because I knew that church was boring and I didn't want to go and I wanted to be able to do what I wanted because that's part of being a grown-up. So I wanted to be a grown-up. And so that means I didn't really look forward to having kids and sheltering them. And to me, being a parent doesn't mean the same. I don't feel like if being a parent has to be about hiding children from truth, then I, I was never going to be a good father. And so I always wanted kids because I loved I loved being in a family. Uh but I didn't love kids. Because if loving kids means loving innocence, then I didn't love kids. I still don't love kids. I don't look at babies and go, oh, look at them going, I don't know shit. I don't know what's going on. Oh, I'm just a dumb baby. Oh, that's so beautiful. No, I don't like that. It doesn't nothing for me. And I don't, I don't look at little kids playing, going ah, come on, ah, run around, make loud noises. Ah, ah. I don't, I don't look at that and go, oh, that's so adorable. I look at it and I have a lot of them that run around here where I live, and I think, oh my god, somebody quiet them down. I can't, somebody, you know. <laughs> I love kids; they're fine, but they, I never had a synergy with them. I don't look at kids; they like huh, I like that guy. You know, I don't have this sort of connection. And it's not because I have a dark heart kids can see. They can sense evil man, bad man. No, it's just because I don't speak their language and they can tell. I don't. I don't speak the language of dumb. I speak the language of truth. I grew out of dumb. I God bless them, I love it. That they're dumb. They they should love it. It's wonderful. Ignorance is bliss. It truly is. But I don't speak that language. And I stopped speaking that language even when I was a kid. It started to evolve out of me young. And that's just who I am. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. Sorry. I'm sorry, not sorry. Uh, some of us are not going to be the type of parent that you think we have to be. And so maybe that means we shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't have been a father then. Okay. If I'm still taking heat today for being an honest person who deals in truth, even with his children, if that was so wrong and I'm just wrong about that or because I live more to just live life as it exists and so maybe that means I'm not running off to, come on, kids, let's go do this. That's bullshit. That's not who I am. I live in truth. What I want to do with my kids is things that I actually want to do, not things I, I'm guilt-tripped into doing because people say that's how you're a good parent, you see. So I think we should, if we live in truth, it also means we're honest with ourselves and we know what we, who we are and we do those things. And if those things intersect with our kids, we'll, we'll be great parents for our kids in the areas where being truthfully us intersects with being a parent. But if we force things that aren't being truthfully us and we just to be a parent, I don't think that's noble or wonderful. I'm not saying... Don't do chores or tasks. Yes, it's always noble to clean up and to feed children. Work to raise money for children to help them. You know, get what they need for school. That's that's just being a parent. I'm not talking about like the nuts and bolts of providing for a child. Nobody could ever assail me for any of that shit at all. Ever. I'm talking about the how you live with them day in and day out, interact in what manner. And what you do in terms of free time, fun time with kids and what that entails. You know, are you doing it just because that's what kids are supposed to be doing? And so you have to fake this and do this. Or are you doing what you believe and staying true to you and doing that with them? That's the point. Are you going to watch, you know, Barney with them when they're little? I did because that's what kids have to watch at that age. But as they get a little older and you see the light bulb go off more, maybe you put some other things on that some other parents would say, that's not okay. You shouldn't be showing that to that child. But you think they could handle it because you could. And you remember, you could when you were that age, you know? And truth hasn't fucked you up. It's just who you are, you know? Truth doesn't fuck you up, okay? Surprise. Here's the secret. want to really look behind the curtain into yourself and everyone else and the answer is, truth is okay. Truth is always right. Truth is never wrong. So I think we learned that through the Donald Trump years. We have to stop being afraid of truth. But truth and parenthood might not jive that great together, right? Truth and parenting might not make the greatest bedfellows. And so maybe the truthers, and especially the artistic truthers, maybe they... Shouldn't have kids. Maybe Robert Fripp and his wife didn't have kids because they knew that they were uh, truth-telling artist types and that being parents was not going to be something that would really fit with who they are. And it would be dishonest. And they love children and they care about children. And they're showing that by giving their money to children. But they just know that being a parent to children, it wouldn't have really been their scene until those children were like in their teen years. Because when they're young, all that innocent bullshit and the fake stuff, they couldn't handle because they don't live that way. And they can't just make themselves live like that. It's not who they are. It would never happen. It would be like someone trying to be black when they're white. It just can't happen, you know? And so I think that that is is a reality of parenting, that if you're a truth-teller type, it's probably going to be tough for you to parent your children, at least in their early years. And not and even if you can find a way that makes it work great, the outside world's gonna look at it and judge you. So even if you're content and your kids are fine with the way you're parenting them as a truth teller in those younger years, others are going to vehemently disagree with that method and you'll hear about it probably for the rest of your life. And maybe even your kids will grow older and blame you for what you shared with them when they were younger. Maybe you were wrong. Maybe maybe there were things you shared that you shouldn't have. Maybe they weren't up to snuff like you were at their age to handle the truth that you shared with them because you were strong enough that you were at their age to, to know that truth. But the point is, that's not your fault. It isn't. That's not bad parenting. That's called, you weren't cut out for it. Not everybody keeps every job they get. Some of us get fired. I never have been by the way, just as an aside. But a <laughs> little pat on the back to me. Never been fired from a job in my life. But a lot of people are fired. Most people are fired from a job at one point or another. And if they're not fired, they quit because they it's not them. They can't enjoy it. It's not working for them. They don't fit that job. So look, this is what life's about. We We, we find avenues where we belong and, and, and we stay there. That's a good life lived. That's a life well lived. Find the manners of existing that suit you best and do that. Um, and, and don't be ashamed of it and don't apologize to anyone for it. And some of us, if we live in truth, parenting may not be the thing for us. Now, you could have another parent, your partner, who's with you, who is real good at living in fantasy child world and nurturing in that way. And it might be a wonderful one-two punch as parents. And that kid might be raised perfectly then. They got the truth-telling dad or mom. They got the child mindset dad or mom. Wow, wonderful. But see, when you're divorced like me, you're kind of shit out of luck in that regard because it, when you're with your children, it's just you. It's just you. You don't have anyone to sort of offset it with. So your time with your kids and your parenting is going to all be about who you are and who you're able to be. And um, yeah, maybe, maybe the truth-telling artist type isn't the best parent. It's that simple. Maybe it's not the best way to parent. And maybe it's not the most uh, consistent with parenting, that kind of existence, that kind of person. Maybe that is not the best fit for parenting. And that's okay. It's okay, but it's okay also to try it. It's okay to say, but I want kids and to try it. And maybe it's not a smashing success. Um, Or maybe it was. Maybe it's okay too and you just shut out the outside world and their judgments. Either way... um, I just thought that was an interesting point, one I wanted to make, to share with you the concept of truth and raising children and how they are kind of inconsistent. And so if you live a life in truth and you always have, and artists often do, maybe being a parent is hard for them. And maybe then if you see these artist types not have kids, it's not selfishness. They're just aware of their who they are and it doesn't mean I know that I can't care about another. I know I'm too selfish. No. Fuck that shit. That's like again, that's like blaming someone for cancer. No. It means they're saying I know who I am and I don't think that my life, my behaviors, my belief, my philosophy of living is going to be uh, provide a child with enough of a happy innocent life. I think I'm going to Give them too much too soon by nature. And I won't be able to change that. And I, I can't, I can't be that I can love them and care about them and be 100% a supportive parent and provide for them and do everything a parent has to do. But when it comes to providing that mental makeup and so that they're just joyful and shielded and innocent for as long as possible, I'm not going to be able to do that. I don't have that capability. I didn't have it myself as a child, so maybe I shouldn't have children. I don't think there's anything wrong with that thought process. I don't think you're being selfish. I don't think you're being – I don't think you're selling yourself short. If you come to the conclusion that you don't think you're the type of person that works best with kids when they're young and therefore may not be the best influence even, if you want to put it that way, maybe I wouldn't be the best influence for my own children when they're young, because of the person I am. And and I love who I am, and I'm happy to be who I am, and I'm going to continue living who I am, but maybe who I am just, you know, isn't cut out to be a parent until the kids are 12 or 13 or 10 or some age where they're, you know, truly more able to deal with truth. I don't know. So these are thoughts worth thinking, thoughts worth sharing, I thought. And regardless of whoever you are, if you're a person who loves getting back into the child mindset and getting down on the floor and playing with little toys and watching Disney and so on, or you're a truth-talking, more realist type and can find your joy in life that way, regardless, I love you. yabba da boopa.